0: And that's a key piece to this text, is you're going to hear something that is going to be brand new to you.
1: What's up, everybody? And welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Your three millennial hosts, Kiri Jacobson, Adam Guthmiller, and I sit down with Luther House of Studies co-director, Dr. Chris Krogan. We talk about the very first verses of the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1 verse 1 begins with this, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Dr. Krogan explains just how impactful and important this short verse is. First, Dr. Krogan points out that Mark gives a huge spoiler in the very first verse that the end of the story of Jesus Christ is good news. It's both good and it's new. When you hear this, it's new each and every time. We also have a great conversation about the meaning behind Mark, including Jesus' title of Son of God in the very first verse. Lastly, one of my favorite things Dr. Krogan taught us in this week's conversation is the difference between John the Baptist baptizing with water mentioned in this passage, with Jesus' baptizing with the Holy Spirit. I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with you, but first, here's Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We're here on Zoom, so your audio might sound just slightly different than last week's podcast, but we have the crew together with Dr. Chris Krogan. Thanks for being with us on Zoom, Dr. Krogan.
0: I'd much rather see your faces in person. You know, you look much better on person than on, on Zoom, but uh, we'll, we'll make it work today. Oh, good. Glad to be here.
1: So to open us up, we're in the second a uh, week of this church calendar year so this lectionary text begins mark 1 verse 1 the beginning of the good news of jesus christ so can we i talk about what is the good news of jesus christ
0: yeah this is a very interesting thing because what we have here in mark which is one of the synoptic gospels is how we title it which is means that it's one of the matthew mark and luke and they all kind of come out of the same Um, voice in some respects and so Mark begins without the Christmas narrative and so there's no um, angels, no birth narrative, there's no uh, wise men, there's no shepherds, no sheep, nothing. Mark just drops it right away, the beginning of the good news. He's not going to mess around with the childhood stuff, stuff that makes for Christmas. So that's an interesting piece but then it's also interesting that he uses these words, good news. Oangelion is the Greek word. OO meaning good. Angelion meaning message. The way it's translated in the Old English, it's good spell or good story. And so then we have it now in our translation here as good news. And so Mark is setting it up. It's basically, it's it's, um, kind of a spoiler. Hey, guess what, folks? The rest of this is going to be good news, even though at times it doesn't feel like good news because as we move even in this first verse you know that Jesus Christ the Son of God is what this is going to bring about and so you're going to meet your maker but on this good news the other piece of this is news and the event of news is an important thing that Mark has laid out here because news is always new and that's a key piece to this text is you're going to hear something That is going to be brand new to you. And so many of you have said, well, yeah, we've heard all these stories before. But believe it or not, God's word in particular, in this particular story, is actually still an event in your ears. And the event usually sounds like this The first news is you sinned. And that isn't good news. The second news is Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And so this is part and parcel of what we're going to deal with tonight.
2: And then to, to go off that, Dr. Krogan, with the, the Son of God that Mark puts that right in the beginning, and maybe you can speak to some of the, some of the significance uh, of that, what that means.
0: Yeah. Well, when uh, this is news about Jesus Christ, so then Jesus Christ is not just a person who's walking around, who's been telling stories or making some miraculous healings. This is news about specifically the Son of God. Which actually also, for some people, that's not good news, because when you're going to meet your maker, namely the Son of God, God himself, um, some people are afraid of this because that sounds like, uh uh-oh, we weren't doing it very well, damnation's coming. But as what Mark's going to show is actually meeting the Son of God is going to be the exact opposite. It's not going to be bad news or your damnation, but it's going to be your salvation, which will come as we talk about at the end of this verses with is the forgiveness of sin. And so the Son of God also, the interesting thing in the Gospel of Mark is it's used several times, but if you read the story from cover to cover and you can actually do it, it's it's the shortest of our Gospels. And I'd say that if you sat down and read it, you could read it in two and a half hours or so, which is kind of like the length of a movie. When I was teaching undergraduates, I'd usually have them sit down and read this and they'd say, so. Um, why do you think it's so short? Well, the nature of the Gospel of Mark was that it was an oral story. And so it's just a story that keeps going on quickly. And it kind of feels like a, a movie if you just sat down and watch it nowadays, about two and a half hour movie, you can read it. But then as you go through it, you see this word, Son of God, pop up all the time, this phrase for Jesus. And the only ones who actually acknowledge it accurately are the demons, are the evil ones. So that's also an interesting thing. So Mark sets it off right away. You folks are on the inside. You know he's the son of God, but as you watch the disciples and the Pharisees and the scribes, every time the son of God is used, they don't recognize Jesus as son of God. It's only the evil ones. And at the very end, the centurion does, but that's even in dispute on whether he's saying it in a confession of faith or if he's saying it derision. Um,
3: Krogan, in the next verse, it starts quoting Isaiah. Last week, um, at the first week of the new calendar season, it was also quoting new scripture. Is there any significance with that?
0: Yeah. So like, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, this is, these are the, this of verse two. This is basically saying that we're actually not making something out of whole cloth. We are actually talking about what the whole Old Testament has been saying this whole time, which is, as it is written in prophet Isaiah, guess what? The Christ, the Son of God, is going to be sent. He's coming. And so this is why it's important, is this is not a new event that is, um, hasn't been predicted by the prophets, by the law, by all the Old Testament. And so Mark is saying, hey, folks, here's the good news. What prophet Isaiah said was coming is now here. And so that's part of the, the interesting piece on why the prophet Isaiah.
2: And and maybe, Dr. Krogan, it might be helpful um, with this is the, the second Sunday of Advent. And I don't think we actually talked about it with Dr. Paulson last week to, to speak about um, what Advent is. And then maybe in that context to talk about what it means when John says, um, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Yeah. Um, so or I, I guess when the prophet Isaiah says that.
0: Right. And so um, what has happened in the liturgical year of the church is a lot of people kind of relate Advent to what they also do with Lent, is that there's some reason to do preparation for some big event at the end. And this is actually not what Advent is about. Advent is actually hearing Christ coming time and again, new in your ear each week on this. And so it's not a preparation because what happens often with Advent is gets mixed up, kind of like what you see with the stories of um, Santa Claus or Christmas, where people are like they're getting all busy preparing for the big day, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and they need to do a lot of things. Well, as you know, with doing a lot of things, these things are going to start landing in the realm of the law. And so this is a key thing here in verse two when Isaiah says, "See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you." who will prepare your way. This preparation is not something that you get busy in the law, but this is the messenger coming that's doing the preparing. And so again, what does a messenger do? He's not telling you how to get busy, but he starts to preach into your ear. So preparation in Advent is to hear the promise of Christ, to hear Christ now, today, in your ear. And that is actually the only preparation that can happen in Advent. So it's not that you're sitting there waiting for Jesus to come one more time on Christmas Eve, and, and then we can celebrate, but actually to hear what it is that Christ was promised and continues to do in our ears all through the season of Advent.
3: Rogan, before we move on, can you quick um, point out who is the messenger in this?
0: Yeah, so this, this prophet Isaiah is, is predicting John the Baptist. So this is what okay. uh, is the prophet Isaiah, see, I'm sending you my messenger ahead of you. will prepare the way. And then, boom, in verse 4, John the Baptist appears in the wilderness. So that's who Isaiah was predicting. And John the baptizer appears, and he is the next prophet.
1: Okay. I think it's, I think it's really cool that we're in the second verse of the Gospel of Mark, and we're already seeing that it's happening to you, you're not doing it. It's not like we need to, Christmas is coming, I need to make sure I'm on the the nice list and I need to behave correctly, like like, like you said, it was in the law. But instead, it literally says, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you to do the preparing for you. Yep.
0: And preparation, like we said, comes through a proclamation or a sermon and sermons land in the ear to make faith. And this is exactly what the whole Old Testament is talking about. God isn't actually interested in your good works. God's interested in you having a changed heart. And so this is what John is coming to do, is John is not coming to help you get better at the law, but actually reorient your heart from the idols, from all those things that have been making you stressed or worrying you or getting you uh, super excited about your success or the diseases. Nope, God is sending a preacher, John the Baptist, to point to what God does in his son which is deliver mercy. And
3: yeah, so, cuz in in verse 4 it's in, I mean it kind of hits it with a hammer when it says he appeared in the wilderness proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I mean, they're not watering anything down here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which yep. is needed. It's needed especially right now when we do get bogged down with all of that stuff, you know, I know I hear especially from parents I hear a lot of them say that this is the most stressful time of year. Yep. It's supposed to be so merry and jolly, but like in all the preparation, all the planning, for some reason, a lot of bad things tend to happen at this time of year as well. It yep. kind of spoils the season
0: well, and you can you can understand this is exactly what happens during the holidays, which is why people tend to get a little bit um distressed, if not depressed, is because they always imagine the perfect or the potential of a holiday. And so that's different than getting a good news presented to you because remember news is always new you don't expect what is happening in the news you might try to anticipate it but when you are have talking about potential what's christmas going to be like and you buy all the presents or you plan all the meals or you do all these things and ready for the kids or all that kind of stuff and then it doesn't happen these are all preparations in the law whereas a proclamation Is to be told a story that is naming you identifying you freeing you and so this is exactly john comes and everybody's expecting john to you know like clean up your act this is not what john is doing at all he's proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and so what john is doing is he's saying guess what all of that preparation all of those idols you've been worshiping all of that busy scurrying kind of like martha you know the story of martha and mary that come come in the gospel mark being martha and getting all busy as opposed to being mary and waiting for your lord jesus to speak a promise in the air. john comes he starts dropping that promise before jesus even shows up hey guess what the messiah is here not to make the world a better place not to make people equal but actually to forgive sin
2: So we kind of talked a little bit about the baptism of John and maybe we I don't want to go too far ahead, but would now be a good time to talk about the difference between John's baptism, this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then also with the, uh, his last, the last verse uh, in this week's lectionary, I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy spirit. What is the difference that, that John is talking about?
0: Yeah, this is, this is a, this is a key piece to the, text is um as we've talked before john as well is the last prophet and prophets actually can't do anything other than point to the promise that's coming and this is exactly why john actually says i am kind of diminished when it comes to who this guy is and what he's about to do and so he actually says you know I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. And that's an important piece in this text is untying the master's sandals was the one demeaning task never required of a Hebrew servant. And so this is John is saying, I'm not even I am the the dregs of the dregs when it comes to comparison with the one who's coming after me. And so he says, as a prophet, I could only point to this one. I can't actually deliver what he is going to deliver. And so when uh, John says, my baptism is only with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so they are both delivering the forgiveness of sin. John is saying it's coming, and this is what it's going to be. Your sin's forgiven. And then Jesus shows up and he says, here, I am actually doing it to you now, which is the baptizing you with the Holy Spirit. So what is that doing it to you? Why is this a distinction? Well, the Holy Spirit is not handed over in the gospels and then acts until after Jesus has been crucified and raised from the dead. Why is that significant? Well, as we hear in the gospel of John, Jesus shows up in the upper room and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. We read this on Pentecost, receive the Holy Spirit. And here's what the Holy Spirit brings. Those who sins you forgive are forgiven. And those whose sins you bind are bound. So he drops them the office of the keys. Now, the office of keys can only be applied to the disciples after they sinned against Jesus. So this is the key is John was proclaiming repentance for the forgiveness of sins, getting your heart reoriented toward God. So you were breaking the first commandment and you're forgiven. And so in hoping that Christ is coming is the way you have faith. But then when Jesus comes, he actually does a forgiveness of sins that is distinct insofar as you killed Christ, you betrayed the Messiah, he died, and now your sins are forgiven. That's a bigger deal, actually, than some of the petty sins that John was talking
3: about well okay i actually have a first technical question for you krogan at this time of year i know christmas and a lot of the major holidays draw people to church more the time leading up to this are people more or less inclined to come to church
0: i think yeah, that's a good question i think people actually start to come to church uh i'm not always sure about the motivations i think some of it is they like to hear the music and experience the, the the aura i think some of them are like well We need to kind of get back into church and it's part of the tradition some people are doing it well we need to prepare ourselves and they think of it in in more of a we haven't been showing up for a while so let's get back into the rhythm but yeah that's that's common you know and i guess i can't speak to everybody's motivations but i think that's part of what's going on
3: okay the reason i ask is just because i feel like that adds a lot more pressure to pastors and people behind the pulpit at this time of year as well to make a sermon or something like this more, like stick more and have more oomph. And I feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes that can be wrong motivation or it could cause a pastor to maybe preach on the wrong thing. Right. Like how would they, I guess how would they preach correctly on this text?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point, Kiri, is I think people could actually if they start seeing some um, people that haven't been showing up for a while or they think they have some visitors, they want start telling people, Hey, you better be better at preparing, you know, kinda the they, they start being um the elf on the shelf out of the pulpit, which is actually kind of problematic that they're they're much more legalistic based and stuff like that. This is not at all what what's going on in this text. And so I think, you know, um what we as preachers and as people that are worried about the faith of those who are listening is, I think, a great way to talk about this is that people from the whole Judean countryside, this is a great verse, verse five, and all the people of Jerusalem are going out to him. Well, guess what? These are people in need of a promise. These aren't people that thought, you know, I should just clean up my act and go out there and see John something was happening and they were brought out to have to hear a sermon from John about baptism, about repentance, about a promise given specifically to them. And they come out to the river Jordan, which is an important one, as opposed to going to the old um, haunts of the temple where you sacrifice and where you pay for your sin. No, this is actually a free free giving of mercy and confessing their sins. And the other piece is they were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. Another piece here that pastors must um recognize is that a confession of sin comes as the result of knowing that it's going to be forgiven. Otherwise people are in full defense mode. And so if they don't know that mercy is the next word that comes out of the preacher's mouth when it comes to sin, they will actually be trying to defend themselves. And so that's a key piece here, is that with John out there saying, God is forgiving all sin, then people start confessing. And so that's a beautiful thing. So you can start to say um, something in a sermon that would be much more in the promise as opposed to potential with preparation. And you are the elf on the shelf sitting on that pulpit.
3: Um, In this verse too, I know you guys... I know we already talked about baptism a little bit a few minutes ago. Um, the verse after that is there any is there any reason why they took one entire verse to mention what John was wearing? I know that's like of course i'm the one to ask that question but like they they go into depth and i know like in the bible they don't just mention things for the thrill of it but like they're saying he was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt ate locusts and wild honey and like and then it immediately goes immediately goes to like he proclaimed like (laughs) i i just i think it was a waste
0: Well, yeah. Am I
3: right? (laughs) Well,
0: this is John. Is what they're what they're illustrating is John is in the same garb that you would have expected a prophet, in particular, signaling pointing to Elijah. And so this is an explicit um, role that Mark plays is that John is Elijah coming back, preparing the way. But then what's the interesting thing is then once you recognize he's preparing the way that is Elijah, Elijah comes to preach, not to make the world a better place, which is why verse seven is important. There's one who more powerful he proclaimed. So John, right after he, he's identified as a prophet, goes into a sermon. And the sermon is, I baptize you with water, but guess what? One greater than I is gonna come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit, which will be a much more powerful. It will be the seal of your forgiveness and not just pointing to. And that's the key here is Christ came and made the forgiveness happen, and it wasn't just something pointed to for the future, which is why you don't want to talk about this text as a, it's going to happen Christmas, but no, Christ is here, even during this Advent season.
1: And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Dr. Chris Krogan for teaching us that a confession of sin comes as a result of knowing the end of the story is forgiveness. That's the beautiful part of Mark saying the story of Jesus Christ is good news. From the very beginning of the story, we know we won't be left named as a sinner. We know the story ends in mercy. Before we go, we want to let you know that as we enter this holiday season, you can expect two special Christmas episodes of Scripture First, one for Christmas Eve and one for Christmas Day, in addition to our weekly conversations about the lectionary text. Lastly, the Luther House of Study team wants you to know how much we appreciate you listening to Scripture First. We share these conversations to spread the promise of Jesus Christ and encourage you to preach the gospel. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode or support the other mission work of Luther House of Study, please visit us at lutherhouseofstudy.org donate. We truly appreciate your consideration and support. Thanks again for joining us this week. And a reminder that the good news is for you. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.